What is up, Gen X? Welcome back to the water cooler. It is good to see you again. I wanted to start off this week giving an Olympic update. If you remember last week, we spent some time talking about the Simone Biles uh, incident where she dropped out of the team competition. And then there's been a, quite a bit that's been written and said since then. And as far as my update on her situation, honestly, my opinion has not changed. I think that she should not necessarily be counted as a hero for uh, dropping out and, and doing what uh, she did. And I also don't think she needs to be a villain or a goat for doing what she did. Right? I mean, she is an amateur athlete ultimately, even if she has uh, you know, agents and uh, public relations people or whatever. I, whether or not she does, I don't know. But you know, she's you know, certainly something a little bit more than an amateur, it would seem, with her endorsements and what have you. But that being said, I, I don't think that's something that should arouse a whole bunch of uh, hand-wringing. Ultimately, I think the person who paid the biggest price for it is is Simone, fair or not. And my you know opinion over the past week has not changed. But the Olympics are interesting. We're about uh, halfway through. Um, actually, no, we're even past halfway through. I think we're kind of getting into the last weekend here. And uh, some interesting things happened over the past week. Um, notable a day or so ago, uh, Laurel Hubbard, the transgendered weightlifter from New Zealand, uh, competed and did not place. As far as I'm aware, uh, I think I read that Laurel was the only one that did not complete the clean and jerk. Um, and so it's kind of makes you scratch your head that this was even a thing, right? I mean, that, that she got as much attention and headlines as she did. And I, you know, I think the media will point and say, well, this is evidence that transgender athletes don't have any kind of inherent advantages. Um, but to be fair, you know, Laurel was 43 years old. I, I, I can't fathom that the rest of her competition uh, is equal in age. And although in, in some interviews afterwards, of course, these these uh, athletes were asked their opinions on it, which, again, I think is just kind of weird. You know, the, these medal-winning athletes, gold, silver, bronze, are asked their opinions about someone who didn't clear a lift, who didn't place, didn't factor any consequence in their competition and their being asked about it. And I think the, there was some awkward silence and one just responded, no comment. And that was that. So, you know, good on them. Um, I think their achievements should be applauded. And I feel bad that they seem to be overshadowed in this regard. And I also feel bad for whomever the athlete is from New Zealand who did not get a chance to represent her country and to not experience competing in the Olympic Games and who did not get that payoff from years and years of hard work. You know, someone else comes in and makes it and in, in their place and doesn't even, you know, have in fact or any consequence in the competition. So that I that's probably my biggest takeaway from that is it's it's a shame, but you know, it does seem like some policies have changed. Who knows what'll happen going forward if this is kind of that open the door and 
Are we going to see men's and women's competitions go away or just just separations go away and it's just the events themselves? And I mean, is this kind of the beginning, the end of, you know, female athletics? I don't know. It's just, uh, or women's athletics. I, I don't know. It's, it, it seems curious at best, but we will see where, where that leads to. Now, as far as, uh, women's athletics goes, I also saw that the U.S. women's national team in soccer is not going to win a gold or a silver. They lost their semifinal matchup against Canada, one nothing, after they lost their initial match of the Olympics, and I think they won another and uh, drew a draw in, in the other. They kind of bow out, which is interesting on a number of levels. First, it, again, I'm not the biggest soccer fan i certainly don't follow it but it seems to be that whenever these international competitions pop up whether it's the world cup or the olympics the u.s women's team seems to dominate i'm thinking back to like 98 or 99 whenever that first women's world cup was and and the american women won and there was that huge celebration on field I, i i can't offhand remember a time where they've lost in any major event like this. So, I mean, just on that level, this seems like a pretty big deal. Even if they've lost before, it's certainly rare. But this team in particular has brought a lot of uh, notoriety to themselves, not all of it good, particularly with the anthem protest and taking a knee and, and trying to claim that they should be paid equal to that of their... They're uh, the men's teams, even though they make a greater percentage and go down that rabbit hole. But um, they brought a lot of attention onto themselves and they fell on their face on the biggest stage, which was just kind of, I think, a collective giggle from the American fan base at large. I think a lot of people seem to think that they got what they had coming to them and no one feels sorry for them. And that's what you get. Likewise, Gwen Berry, if you remember her, that was the uh, hammer throw athlete from the United States. I think she finished third in the U.S. Nationals, and and she was insulted when they played the national anthem at the at the U.S. Championships and turned her back to it and got a whole lot of attention for it. And, and then leading up to her event, she said you know, she plans on doing some kind of protest in, in on the medal stand because she represents oppressed people everywhere, blah, 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 blah. Well, Gwen finished 11th out of 12th. Which, again, I thought it was really weird that she got as much attention as she did going into the Olympics. Again, I I know anybody who takes the woke ideology is going to get attention in the media. I get that. But we're talking about someone who finished third in nationals. So I got to think that someone who finished third in nationals is not exactly a favorite to medal at the Olympics. And that was certainly the case here. Um, and she finished 11th out of 12th. So good on you, Gwen. I hope you enjoyed representing a country that you despised. I know we did not care what you did and that you represented us and that you represented a country you hate, and seems like you got your just desserts. And there was also another uh, track athlete. I, I, I don't know if it was a shot put or what her her field event was but she meddled and she did some kind of making an x with her hands over her head and protest I, I, I guess i again i don't understand the whole 
anthem protesting thing, particularly the taking the knee, right? Because the taking the knee kind of itself symbolizes fealty. It symbolizes giving respect and honor to and putting yourself in subjugation to whatever you're kneeling in front of. So the fact that kneeling at an anthem is in protest, it kind of seems to take the exact counter meaning of what, what that gesture, gesture is, but I, you know, I, I digress. But uh, Overall, the, I read that the ratings for the Olympics this year are down significantly. I believe the ratings are down 43% and 41% in viewership with an average of 20 million fewer viewers than in 2016. I can't imagine NBC is happy with that. I can't imagine their sponsors are happy with that. But knowing that they have all taken such woke positioning, you know, Coca-Cola among them, again, just like you know, the women's national team, you get, you know, your just desserts. So, you, you know, hope you enjoy your take from it and hope all of that uh, woke positioning was worth it for you. So that's our updates on the Olympics. I'm, I'm not sure what is the, the big things coming up now as we had the final weekend, if it's basketball, track and field, or whatever. To be honest, I think I'm among that 20 million who hasn't really tuned in. I have, and normally I just absorb all the you know Olympics you know day in and day out over the you know the two weeks that they're on. But this year, I again I. I I can't put a finger on it, but I just, I just haven't watched it. I know a lot of people have been turned off by the woke nonsense. I'm turned off by the woke nonsense, but I mean, normally I could look past it and watch swimming or diving or something else that I'm interested in. And I just haven't been able to bring myself to it for one reason or another. I don't know. So count me in the 20 million. Now, next, you know, I listened to this past week, three very, very interesting podcasts. And I would strongly advise you to do the same listen to these three in particular i want to go through just give a very very high level on my takeaways on you know, who they who they talk to and and my impressions of it but i suggest you you dial these up and listen to them i, I think you will be you know fascinated first was you know the tim cast irl podcast he had a man named ricardo lamas on there uh, he was the he was a leader in the anti-Fidel Castro movement. He detailed his his experiences uh, growing up in, in Cuba and during the the revolution there and, and Castro coming to power. Just fascinating perspective that he gives. Um, in particular, he gave a very dire assessment um, as it as it uh, relates to BLM here in the United States. And his his thinking was essentially that if BLM ever gets any power of any significance, that you're going to have, just like he did in Fidel's Castro, Fidel Castro, in Fidel's Cuba, where political opponents are going to start being you know executed and so on. Again, that's it's a, a rather uh, radical perspective and a radical, maybe dramatic perspective to take. But again, it's one that he lived through. So it's it's one that I think deserves you know, our attention. Uh, next, also Tim Cass in another episode, he interviewed this woman whose name was Lily Tang Williams. Uh, this woman, she was from China and she grew up um, in, in communist China and before she you know, came to the United States. Very interesting perspective from her on what it's like growing up in a communist regime. Uh, a couple 
things that I found particularly of note, she said that the idea of equity is a communist term. You know, the, the idea of equal results, that's inherently communist, and it's something that's impossible to achieve even with force. And she had some, some strong words of admonition for us here in the United States as we continue to go woke and drift left in our culture. Now, the last one, though, the one that I was just completely riveted by was Yeomni Park. I made a, an episode a number of weeks ago. I think it was called Even North Korea is Not This Crazy. Because I, I heard a, a blip of, of an interview with her. I think she has a book coming out or something. But she was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And I could not get enough of listening to her story. It was fascinating. I, there's no way I can do it justice. I suggest you listen to it. Listen to her perspective. Listen to the emotion in her voice. Um, this, but this is a woman who, I think she's born in like 1988 or so, so she's not you know exactly old. But she escaped North Korea at age 13. She was sold into you know sex slavery and, and had just some harrowing experiences fleeing her captors and fleeing China you know, through Mongolia and, and you know, seeking freedom. And just a, a fascinating perspective to, to hear her talk about what it was like growing up in North Korea. Because again, being born in 88, you know, that's well past the Korean War. You know, they had long since been entrenched in their brutal communist dictatorship. Um, but she and, and talks about the the visceral hunger that she grew up with and the malnourishment that she experienced and you know the starvation that people regularly experience in North Korea. I mean, one thing that stuck out to me was she mentioned how crickets are the main source of protein there. And when you know, she finally you know, made her way to China and was on her way to getting freedom, the idea of eating any kind of meat was just completely foreign to her chicken beef whatever she just didn't know what it was she didn't know how to eat it she i mean for her the delicacy was milk and eggs that's it that was the 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 height of of cuisine for her um but just amazing and she talks about how she went to columbia university around like 96 like right as as you know the election you know Donald Trump winning the presidency and all the backlash and in academia that happened that's right when she was beginning her studies but she details how her experience in academia and in college and her experiences with seeing dissent silenced seeing voices silenced um it, it, she found herself as she was going through her studies, just censoring herself, so as not to feel, you know, like she was racist or, or whatever. And she she talks about how that just brought back these memories of growing up in North Korea and how how crazy it was that she said the, that like our episode before that even North Korea wasn't that bad with how um, things were being censored. Um, again, and she was relating it to in, in North Korea, how she grew up not knowing what 
love was or what f the idea of freedom or what the term rape meant or what rape was. She had no concept of this because the, the party controls people, what they learn and know and experience so tightly that she was completely oblivious of these concepts. But even then there were some norms that they, you would have in, in North Korea that you would have just their human norms. They were being shunned like, holding the door for someone. You know, she was told by a professor that that was a way for men to control women and that she had been brainwashed to thinking that that was okay. I mean, think about it, that was, you know, an American who's arrogant enough to think that they can tell this woman who grew up in North Korea that they know what brainwashing is and that she's being brainwashed. I mean, you think of the hubris that, that comes from that perspective. There's one other story she told of last summer. Um, she was outside of a Saks Fifth Avenue here in Chicago, and she was mugged. And she you know, grabbed one of the um, her assaulter's arms and try to and, and try to plead for people to call the police. And there's about a group of 20 people that were surrounded her, and everyone was just incensed with her. They told the her muggers to run, and that she was. They started lecturing her that she was being racist. You know for even uh, accusing these girls of of mugging her because you know they're black and she's Asian and she can't be racist and there's this mom with these teenage boys who pointed to her and used her as an, an example of how you know our country is inherently racist. It's it just amazing hearing her tell this story again, knowing what her background is, knowing how she grew up. And seeing how she related that to the trauma she experienced in North Korea, and how similar that was to the you know the communists in their, in their um, caste system in North Korea, how they separate people along you know birth lines, you know because you know if you're born to a certain family or you're born in a certain you know class or I mean it, it's not exactly by by you know quote unquote race, but Essentially, you know, it's by birth and, and you are put in a certain caste and you cannot move up or down from that. It's simply by, by how you were born. And she related that to her experiences here and, and all the, you know, the anti-racism movement. Just very, 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 very interesting conversation. Again, and talk about how being offended has been weaponized. I mean, she could not have been more spot on. Anyway, I'm, I've been, you know talking a lot about it but I, I it's because i was so absolutely taken taken by her story i'm sure i'm going to be buying the book i'm sure i'm going to be reading it and, and it, it probably just hit something with me as a gen xer growing up in the cold war you know like all of you i can remember you know in my you know earliest of age you know being very skeptical and almost timid and afraid of of the communists in, in the Soviet Union and China and, and the Eastern European bloc, and just knowing that they didn't have the freedoms that we had, that we t you know, take for granted, you know, that we can decide what we want to do as a profession. You know, as a kid, I was thinking, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember thinking, well, if I was in the Soviet Union, I couldn't decide. That would be decided for me. And that's, you know, that was her experience in, in North Korea. So I think it just brought back a lot of those of those uh, perspectives and feelings that you know 
that we experienced growing up during the Cold War. And I think it's just something that we can relate to that uh, certainly our kids can't because, you know, they've been, you know, you know, grown up where, you know, communism is almost looked at as an ideal in many cases or looked at that it just hasn't been done right. Of course, you know, we know better, right? We, we saw what it was like. We saw its demise. And so we, we know what, what it's all about. So if you have that perspective like I do, I, I highly recommend that you dial that up. It's, it's a fascinating lesson. Uh, next, moving on. I hate to say it, but it looks like mask mandates are making a comeback. Uh, and again, I just don't understand why. Well, I know why. It's because you know, they say, well, cases with this new Delta variant are going up and blah, 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 blah. Okay, cases are going up. You know, they're going to be going up between now and the next few months anyway because we're going to be getting into the fall and into cold and flu season. So that you don't move me with that argument. And this this new variant is not any more deadly than than the the previous one. You know, hospitalizations are not up, deaths are not up. Cases are up, but none of the other things are up, but you know, my kids mentioned that they might be going back to, you know, shortened days at school and maybe even full remote again. I was like, sweet Maria, I can't do this again. I just, I can't do it. I can't. And I'm thinking if, if work tells us to work remote, am I just going to have to say, screw it, guys, I'm going into the office. I'm, I mean, I'm, I, I can't do it again. I can't, I can't. I, I gave them one. I gave them once. It was novel. We didn't know about it. This is not novel anymore. It's not even pandemic level. It's barely even epidemic level. Uh, stop. Stop with this. There's no defined end game here. There, no one has, they, they, we are never going to get zero positive tests. We just aren't. This is here now. Thank you, science. You created this and now it's here. We know how to deal with it. We're going to get better at dealing with it. There are vaccines out there. Just shut up and let in fact, you can't even let it. We're just going to live our lives. So screw you guys. <sighs> but they're coming back. <laughs> and all the while, apparently Barack Obama is celebrating his 60th birthday with 700 people. Okay, so masks are coming back, but Obama has 700 people not masked celebrating his birthday, which, again, to quote... The Dropkick Murphys, what self-respecting adult makes a big deal of his birthday? Come on now. Grow up, dude. You're 60. Stop acting like you're 10. You know, stop. Stop. You know, we know you're a really big deal, but whatever. Um, I know what, what didn't seem to be a big deal was Lollapalooza. You know, last week I went to a Cubs game, and that was just prior to their trade purge, which, again, ripped my heart out, but I digress. Taking the train down, taking the 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 red line down to Wrigley Field, the train was absolutely packed. This was a Friday afternoon, or actually Friday morning, around 10 to 11. Absolutely packed with these teeny bopper and college-age kids all heading downtown to Grant Park for Lollapalooza. Okay, then they can they, you can do your your festival, but. You know what was weird is they were telling us to mask up still on the public transportation. But these kids going to Lollapalooza, shoulder to shoulder, absolutely packed like you would expect it to be. No masks, whatever. I know they said that they they demanded that they be, show proof of vaccination. I also saw reports that kids are just kind of going in. 
So when it is our ex-president, when it is Lollapalooza, masks, you know, you don't need them. No, but kids wanting to go to school, you need a mask. It is just so upside down. And further, the, the crazy train, again, not as crazy as a mother-in-law with borderline personality disorder, but still crazy enough. Uh, New York is now mandating vaccinations for going inside to a restaurant, a gym, a theater, or uh, else, elsewhere. Uh, and I just don't understand. I, I, I I mean, first of all, the the efficacy of these things I know are still kind of in question. It is still proven that you, even if you are vaccinated, you can still get the virus. You can still get sick from the virus. You can still spread the virus. But that's the delineation you're going to now draw of, of what people can and cannot do. Further, we contextualize it that in in New York City, the disproportionate you know, from the general population, but a high uh, amount of minorities who live there, particularly African-American, um, they're going to be subject to these vaccination rules as well. But among the, the African-American community in the U.S., I believe right now, we, they sit at 28% vaccinations. So it's almost like you have this wink, wink, nudge, nudge, kind of backdoor segregation. I mean, because if only 28% of African-Americans can go to restaurants and go to the gym, go to the theater, I mean, what does that say? <laughs> I, I, is this good? I don't think that's, I don't think that's okay. I mean, you've been telling the, these people that they live in a racist hellscape, and then you're going to tell them at the same time, oh, but, but, defend, but depend on that same system that we tell you is racist, to de- that they've developed this safe action vaccine, and oh, please go take it. I mean, of course they're going to say no. Of course they're going to raise an eyebrow. And also, it's their freaking decision. <sighs> but now New York's going to tell them, no, you can't, you can't get a hamburger here. You can't work out. You can't go to this theater. You can't go to this movie. And... Enough is enough already. In New York, you're just so, so freaking off off the rails. But again, your governor just spent 11 hours deposed answering questions about his sexual um, allegations that have levied against him. All which seem to be with some pretty high levels of credibility. And in the irony of ironies, you know, the Me Too movement is very silent. The feminists are very silent. I don't hear anybody beating the drum all on this except for to point out the obvious hypocrisy, CNN notwithstanding. Um, but uh, you know, this scumbag runs around and he can be creepy. He can get away with doing what he did. But heaven forbid someone in New York go to a restaurant indoors without a vaccine. I mean, it's just, it's nuts. Again, not... Not borderline personality, mother-in-law nuts, but nuts n- nonetheless. All right, last, last, a few, a few things to note. Um, I saw that Matt Damon is, is uh, had some backlash against him, and and this is the last thing that I just I just don't understand for this week. You know, I mean, Matt Damon, he's a fine actor, he's a Gen Xer, he's good, but you know, he tends to be on the on the outspoken left-leaning celebrities. I mean, all the outspoken ones are left-leaning, but he's tends to be one of their champions. 
and he's on the junket promoting his movie. I think it's called Stillwater, which seems to be a very gratuitous uh, ripoff of of that one girl. Oh gosh, what is her name? Um, the one from that Italy um, that spent some time in the Italian prison, Amanda something. Um, and it's it's a movie about that who a, a dad who flies to another country because his daughter's been accused of something and she's in prison whatever. Well, he he gave a, a an interview on this junket to the Sunday Times and uh, somehow it came up that you know he has um, just recently stopped using the f dash dash term when you know even vaguely or even not necessarily referring to um, homosexuals. And and he said that the reason he stopped using it was because he was talking about it with his daughters, and his daughter said, "You know, that's actually a really bad word. You know, that's really mean. That that's used as you know to hurt people and whatever." And they explained it to him, and he kind of had a you know changing heart and realized, "Oh yeah, I, I shouldn't be using that." I, and he kind of remarked how, and this is the the Gen X wrinkle to it and what I can relate to. He said, you know, growing up, that was something that was used regularly. You know, I'm, I don't know but where, where you grew up, but I know that's something that I heard quite often and not necessarily overtly referred personally to a homosexual, but used as something to disarm somebody or to sort of, um, sort of emasculate your buddies or whatever. It was just kind of part of the vernacular, right? Well, you know, times have changed. You know, it was mean then, it's mean now. I get that. And it's something that is no longer acceptable to you, to use. It's not exactly breaking news, but, you know, Matt Damon was talking about this and he decided he wasn't going to use it anymore. And apparently I think that he used it in that one, uh, that one movie with Greg Kinnear where they're, they're the conjoined twins stuck on you, stuck on me, whatever. I, I, I think I saw a part of it and it was bad, but whatever. But apparently he uses that term in the movie and he kind of really said, Hey, I even used it in, in stuck on me or whatever it is. And now I've decided not to use it. Okay. That's fine. An interesting story. And if it's a story of, of a high profile actor who came to understand that something that he did was not on the up and up and decided to make a change. Okay. That's fine. Well, apparently he's getting backlash from it. People are just incensed that he ever used that term. And I just, I, I find that so bizarre. Rather than focusing on the fact that he found virtue in not using that term anymore, he found a reason why, understood why that's hurtful and why that should be not part of our lexicon and decided to, he made a personal choice to not use it anymore. Why is that drawing ire? I mean, I can, I get, you can say, oh, geez, make me things a little bit differently from you when you were in your younger years, but at least acknowledge and give him some kudos for not using it anymore. But no, the outrage mob dismisses that and focuses simply on the fact that he used it ever and now have backlash against him. And I just find it so, so weird. I mean, and our culture just does not seem to want to give people any room for growth any room to change any room for improvement if what they did cuts against your very delicate sensibilities it's really weird again now i 
disagree with Matt Damon on so many things, but I can at least pat him on the back and say, good on you, dude, for finding something that you felt like you needed to change and making that change all on your own. But nope, the outrage mob just simply won't allow it, which I don't understand. But anyway, so that is this past week. I hope you have been enjoying the ending of the summer Every, every time we get past the 4th of July, the summer just seems to zip by, which it never seems to be that way in, in the wintertime, right? When we get past Valentine's Day, it's not like we think, oh, wow, the winter's going by so fast. No, in fact, we get by Valentine's Day and we think, oh, winter is holding on like grim death. <laughs> so I hope you are enjoying your summer. Enjoy the last little bit of time that you have before the kids go back to school and get them ready to go and hopefully they will start in person and get their education back online not online but back online so with that i'm going to take a drink of water get back to work and i will see you next time uh, shout out to Def leopard and i will see you again next time stay cool gen x <laughs>